Welcome to Common Thread. We hope you find these lessons helpful, but also we'd like to get to know you. If you go to our website slash newcomer, we'll send you an email, some things to read about the community, and an invitation to a personal chat. If you're here in Raleigh, maybe face-to-face. If not, on Zoom. We hope you will. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. Okay, here's the lesson. Prejudice, and it will reduce intergroup hostility. Simple contact over time will make peace. I also said last week, unfortunately for us, that's going to be a bit of a challenge because we Americans are increasingly not having contact with the other. We are increasingly arranging our lives so that we do not date across the political tribal divide. We don't marry across the political tribal divide. We don't even befriend the other side. We go to school with less. We socialize with less. We shop with less. We do business with less, those that we consider the other. And we don't go to church with each other anymore. We also said if we're going to be faithful to our spiritual tradition, if this whole religion thing that we're trying to rethink and reimagine, if it has any meaning, it's this. We experience personal growth for a purpose. We experience uh, personal growth for the purpose of being able to bring healing to our worlds. The purpose of restoring and repairing and mending, that's what religion is for. And what's broken in our world right now is this yawning gap between us and them. This demonizing that we do, this not listening to, this not respecting, this gap that is between us. So, pretty bedrock to our tradition, this teaching of Jesus, yes, peacemakers, that's us. Consequently, it is to us then to learn how to, it is to us then to develop the skills to be able to go toward division and act in the role of peacemaker. Well, that's what this lesson is about, making space for the other. Now, these are the questions that we're going to talk about after. Um, Talk about a time that you have been scorned or a time that you have scorned. We're going to give some texture to the lesson, the content that we talk about today by talking about what it looks like in your life. What have you experienced? What have you seen? And bonus points if you've got a story about getting past scorn, starting to see the bigger picture. What was that like? So you can be thinking about that as the lesson is going on. We will talk about that uh, after. So this comic is what human brains do under threat. Our blessed homeland, their barbarous waste. (laughs) Our great religion, their primitive superstition. Our noble people, their backward savages. Now that's funny when you put it on a comic, but it's tragic when that gets reinforced to our brains that are always in, already inclined to do that kind of thinking when we are in threat mode, when we are in us versus them mode, and when we get that pumped into our brains day after day after day, all day, all night, they are like this, we are not. Now, that is not to whitewash some really bad stuff going on. But it does pose an important question. How would we really know 
if bad stuff was going on? How would we know if it was really bad or if that was happening, that brain trick? Because this is a comic, but it's also a whole bunch of brain science. Our brains do that, and they do it all the time. And if we don't interrupt that thinking, if we don't interrupt that process, which by the way is what the spiritual practices are for, if we don't interrupt that, we will keep doing this and keep getting what we've been getting. So that's the question that this comic poses. How would we know? How would we ever really know? Are they as bad as we think they are? And are we as good as we think we are? Or is it that this brain trick is happening to us? I told a story last week, finding myself unwittingly eavesdropping on a family, realizing how I had done that, how I had done that brain trick. I had caricatured people based on a flag that I saw in their yard. And it was a weird set of circumstances, because I don't often, none of us actually find ourselves in this eavesdropping position. But in the experience, I was able to see that my brain had done that. My brain had highlighted one dimension of this family, had zeroed the focus in on that family. And again, what I said last week is I have a deep conviction Christian nationalism is bad for America. It is bad. But by zeroing in on just one thing, my brain had excluded a whole bunch of other things. I hadn't seen the whole picture. I only saw a small part. I hadn't even seen the bigger picture. All I saw was a caricature in my mind. And if we're going to be peacemakers, that pattern is not going to do. Turns out my eavesdropping experience gave me access to the contact part of the contact hypothesis. Be in contact and we tend to caricature the other less. We see stuff that our brains tend to edit out, tend to pass over, tend to not see. Be in contact, and we do our noble populace, their backward savages, we do that less. Be in contact, and we do it less because we see more of the bigger picture. We get a bigger swath of what is actually going on. And the spiritual tradition has lots of ancient wisdom to help us. Practice self-awareness. Reduce control of the ego self. Not be so dominated by the power of our thoughts. Well, just in that quick meditation exercise, learn to not be dominated by the thought pattern thinking. Uh, we can see a bigger picture. We can find our better angels. We can access the deeper part that is in us that transcends those brain tricks. Last week, I assigned a spiritual tradition word to this brain tendency, and the word was scorn. And the tradition doesn't have much good to say about scorn. If you go uh, Google that word and see everything that comes up in the scriptures, mostly what you're going to see is how awful it is to be on the receiving end of it. Uh, telling us, these scriptures, see how little you like it? <laughs> so yeah, don't do that. Don't scorn. Don't dismiss the other. Don't deem the other unworthy of understanding, unworthy of the work, and it does take work, that will be required to be understanding. Don't do that. You don't like it, so don't do it. Don't allow scorn thoughts 
in your mind. Don't allow scorn words to come out of your mouth about the other. Despicable. Yeah, don't do that. Irredeemable. Beneath consideration. No, just don't do that. So that's a good place to start, is to ask ourselves the question, how about it? Have you had any of those thoughts? Well, sure you have, because again, it's being pumped into our heads all day, every day. The other is beneath the energy that it would take to take them seriously. The other is beneath the effort that would be required to understand what are they saying and why are they saying it. So there's a story in the Bible's book of Luke. A good religious person, that's the guy standing up in the picture, he's the us in Jesus' story. He belongs to the right team. He's got the right opinions. He subscribes to the right ideologies. And so he prays a prayer. Oh, God, thank you that I'm not like that deplorable scum. (laughs) Because he, he's a bad guy. He sold out to Rome to become a collaborator. He collects their unjust, crushing tariffs, their taxes, their tribute. He takes a nice cut for himself and lives quite nicely while exploiting the rest of us to the edge of starvation. He is a traitor. He is a sinner. He is the lowest of the low. And thank God I'm not like that shabby crook. If anybody's worthy of scorn, it's that compromising scum. But when Jesus tells the story, what the tax guy is doing, yeah, it's a problem. He makes that very clear. But his problem, the tax guy's problem, is actually not the problem. Jesus makes it clear that tax collector man, yeah, don't do that. Makes it very clear with Zacchaeus, don't do that, it's a problem. But the bigger problem, bigger than that, is scorn. Now, self-righteous man, he has all the right ideas He thinks the proper way about immigration. He thinks the proper way about guns. He has all the right opinions about abortion, and he knows exactly what the right thing to think about January 6th is. Got that all figured out, and he is supremely confident in the rightness of his opinions. Consequently, self-righteous man feels completely justified scorning tax man. But again, Jesus The bigger problem is that supreme self-confidence you've got because that mindset is going to keep our society locked in place right where we are. That mindset is going to keep us and our society not solving our problems because scorn blinds us to the bigger picture. Scorn blinds us to solutions. Scorn blinds us to even understanding what the problem is because scorn makes us stupid. Now, I said last week that our congregation has not been immune to the great sort. Before 2016, we were pretty politically diverse as a congregation. Since 2016, eh, not so much. So I know that I am speaking mostly to people who have affinity for, sympathy for, left-leaning causes. And I know that those who hold those views feel pretty confident in the rightness of those left-leaning perspectives. Because left-leaning people know that left-leaning people are the good people after all. Because left-leaning people care about people. We're like Jesus. 
Yes, Jesus, compassionate and kind, that's us. We are also confident that they are not. They are backward savages. They are brutish invaders. They are primitive superstition. They are deplorable. To which Jesus says, feel good about that, do you? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. That's the bigger problem. It's feeling good about holding our position with such certitude and confidence. An article in Scientific American last year, whoa, people, it is bad out there. Maybe it's bad enough to shock the system. Maybe it's bad enough to pull us back from the brink, but for sure that has not happened yet. It is bad out there because basically we abhor those on the other side. We see them completely unlike ourselves in every way. They are immoral and we are righteous. It goes both ways. It's not just us being the self-righteous guy in Jesus' story. Plenty of that going around. But when our brains go there, the other is not just wrong in his or her opinions. The other has become reprehensible, detestable. The other is ruining the nation. Morally bankrupt, that's them. No redeeming value, that's them. Actually, original sin, that's really them, corrupt to the core. Scorn, which again makes us dumber. It limits our field of vision. It restricts our access to the bigger picture. Now, if you haven't been in one of the lessons that I've done talking about brain science, read this article. It's a good summary. So, <coughs> then it comes around that Florida passes the don't say gay bill. And here's what the left doesn't say. Hmm, I wonder what they might be thinking. Huh, maybe they're thinking this. They might be thinking that it's better to allow families to have the sexuality conversation up through third grade. And they also might be thinking that after third grade, yes, we are going to need to talk about it, but we would like to do it in a way that acknowledges our perspective as well as your perspective. But that is not what the left says. That is not what the left thinks because backward savages, instead what the left says is homophobic, hateful. Transphobic, hateful. And maybe that's exactly what's going on because there certainly is plenty of hateful that's going on. But again, back to our question, how would we ever know? If under the influence of scorn, we shut down access to our deeper understanding, how would we ever know? If under the influence of scorn, we continue to tell ourselves that we are unquestionably right, how would we ever know? Is it hate? Maybe it is. Or maybe it's legitimate disagreement between well-meaning people. But how would we ever know? Now on the other side, there's a, <laughs> a rush to try and return the favor. Here's what the right does not say. Hmm, I guess what they're thinking is that we do live in a pluralistic society, and I guess what they're thinking is that we human beings do experience gender and sexuality on a spectrum, uh, and I guess they do think that we better acknowledge that, and we better talk about it, because if we don't, there's going to be harm for people. No, they don't say that. What they say is perverts. And what they say is pedophiles. What they say is groomers, grooming. Or, 
COVID careful people are ruining the economy and destroying our jobs, they're immoral. Or COVID comfortable people are killing grandma, putting our loved ones at peril, they're immoral. Because what scorn does is it limits our vision down to a very narrow swath of what's going on, moral or immoral, good or bad. And reality is just more nuanced than that. The reductionist perspective makes us dumber. Now, there's always some truth in the reductionist perspective, but what it's not is the bigger picture. What it's not is the fuller picture. It is surely not how we're going to solve anything because scorn limits our understanding down to moral versus immoral, righteous versus unrighteous. And that's just dumber thinking. What it does do is create intergroup hostility. What it does do is lock us in place, and what it does do is render us unable to solve our very real problems. So another uh, article, again, if you've heard me talk about brain tricks, you can just read this as a summary article. It's a synopsis article. And what it does is it highlights how our brains function and why we need spiritual practices. Because we need spiritual practices because our brains will tend to fall into the us versus them view of the world. Our go-to knee-jerk response will be that. Our go-to knee-jerk thoughts and behaviors will be that. Consequently, the spiritual practices that we do, what we call working the circle, the communal, the contemplative, the learning, and the serving practices, they serve to help elevate us beyond our most base instincts. Now, most of us have experienced if we've been working the circle for any length of time, if we've been doing the practices for any length of time. Yes, they do break us out of our personal stuck points. And they do that by helping us rise above our own limited, habituated thinking about how we relate to the world around us. Which is also how we become the kind of people who can make peace. As we go through that process, we become capable of accessing more than our amygdalas, more than our fear reaction, more than our in-group reward response. So if we don't take up the spiritual practices, if we don't rise above our natural selection instincts, we just keep knee-jerking and we keep scorning. And the other will keep being the backward savage or the collaborating tax collector or the grooming pedophile. It's what our brains do when they are on scorn. And the spiritual tradition understood this a long time ago and laid out a path for us to help us rise above that base natural selection instinct. And a good place to start is to simply start seeing scorn for what it is. See that it is comforting, yes. It does feel good because it helps us bond with the group in times of threat. Now we know that we are all together because together we look at them and we say backward savages. But it's also toxic. It's also bad for us and it's really bad for our nation. So when we see ourselves thinking or the words coming out of our mouth, they are stupid. They don't care about human life. They are closed-minded. They are ignorant. 
They don't care about kids. They don't care about poor people. They don't have compassion like we do. When we see ourselves in that kind of a mindset, thinking those thoughts, saying those words, there's a good chance scorn is making us dumber. There's a good chance scorn has limited our field of vision and a good chance we're only seeing part of the picture. Now, it's important to say this, that not all arguments are equally valid. That is true. There are truer and there are less true truths. So we are not saying that all stories are somehow equivalent. They're not. What we are saying is, how would you know? How would you ever know? If our brain always puts us on the side of the righteous and always puts them on the side of the evil, how would we know? I've been doing this a while, so maybe I can predict one of your counter-arguments. <laughs> Come on, Doug. What about Hitler, huh? What about Hitler? What about David Duke, huh? Come on. And here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes, one side is completely right, and the other side is completely wrong. Sometimes. So, Hitler, David Duke, see, see? But here's the thing. Most of the time, most of the time, Things are not that cut and dry. So again, the question, how would we know? Is this one of those times or is this not one of the times? Because when we scorn, the other side is always Hitler. When we scorn, the other side is always David Duke. When we scorn, we don't ask, what do they see that we don't see? We don't ask, who do they love that we don't love? They don't ask, what are they defending that we don't even see needs defending? Because it turns out you can learn a lot more from the people who disagree with us than you can from the people who agree with us. They have perspectives we don't have. They see nuance that we don't see. So, what should we do? Well, first, I said a moment ago, we have to learn to recognize our thoughts when we are thinking them, to stand outside of them and observe them. We have to learn to see scorn when it's ruminating in our own heads. We have to recognize when words are coming out of our mouths, when thoughts are coming up in our minds like stupid or uncaring or uncompassionate or closed-minded or ignorant, don't care about kids, don't care about the poor, don't care about suffering. We need to recognize those thoughts when they happen, be able to stand outside of them far enough to see them, and then get a little bit suspicious of them. Ah, maybe I don't have the whole picture here. Another thing we can do is challenge our starting assumption. Maybe we could introduce a different starting assumption, and it might go something like this. You know what? Here's what's probably more likely than what my brain tells me. It's probably more likely that they are not better and they're not worse than us. They are probably like we are. They're probably a mixed bag. Some insight, some blind spot, some good motive, some bad motive, some good intent, some bad intent, some kindness, some meanness, kind of like us. Because that starting assumption is probably more accurate. But moving to that starting assumption is going to take some work on our part because that's not the default setting. That's not the go-to setting. 
And it's going to require some humility on our part. It's going to require some character on our part. It's going to uh, require some work because it's not easy to suspend our brain reactions. And it's especially not easy to go against our own tribe. Because right now our tribe is usually insisting that we demonize the other. But difficult is kind of what the spiritual journey is for. We do practices today that help us become able to do things tomorrow that we cannot yet do today. That's what the circle is for. That's what the practices do. And tomorrow, we need to be peacemakers. So we need to do today what will enable us to be peacemakers tomorrow. Now here's something that might happen, and it might cause objection in your mind. If we change our starting assumption about them, we might end up thinking better of them than they really are. (laughs) We might do that. But would that be so bad? I've experienced other people thinking better of me than I really am. And it hasn't been bad for me. In fact, it's usually evoked a desire inside of me to be better. And so in Dwelling Divine, may we rise above scorn. My Lord, is there a deluge of it out there? And may we get access to the bigger picture and to the truer truth. Amen. Well, we all give online now. The donate button is at the top of the website. Lots of options, lots of ways to give if you're here in Raleigh or if you're from far away. We invite you to take an ownership stake in the community. And remember, as we say all the time, there is good return on investment when we invest in spiritual community because we give our time, we give our energy, we give our love, and we give our dollars. And then the community takes those resources, amplifies them, and gives them back to us in the form of a context, an environment in which we thrive, flourish, and grow. So, again, we all give on the website now. It's about as easy as can be if you go and look check it out. Now, in a minute, we're going to dismiss the folks on the live stream, and we're going to do What Are You Thinking here. Those of you on the live stream, I am sorry, but there is no Zoom What Are You Thinking for you today, holidays and vacations. But next week, you'll want to join in. It's a great way to connect, think about the lesson more deeply, and build your network of relationships, your community, while you're doing it. Hope you'll join in next week. Uh, Let's prepare. Let's uh, dismiss the folks online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart. And let's remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. We all carry love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These are in us because the inner light is in us. Now, if you would extend your other hand to our city, let's look for opportunities to share what's already in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair our world, to heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. We are not dismissed. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you'd like to take an ownership stake in the well-being of the community, we all contribute online. You'll find a donate button at the top of our website. See you next time. We'd love to connect with you in real life. CommonThreadChurch.org slash newcomer. And if you